I do want to, uh, I do want to say, I do want to say, uh, yesterday, Pastor Legault and I got to head over to Shilai Bible Baptist Church. Melanie and Mrs. Legault came with us, and I got to go over and be there for the ordination of Brother Chad Roscoe. Uh, to the church there at Chilai, and that was a huge, huge blessing uh, on top of getting just to have the fellowship, see Brother Eddie, see Brother Levi, Wyatt, and uh, some other pastors and friends of ours. Uh, got to be there with Brother Chad, and uh, just a blessing to see that church uh, put him in as the pastor, and the love and the care that they have for him uh, was great to see, and them, them rallying around him and really encouraging him. So just pray for Brother Chad and his family, if you would, if you think of them. Of course, they're dealing with the loss of his father here the last last couple of years and the transition with the church and him just trying to make sure the Lord wants him to take the church. That was really the big holdup was he wanted to make sure what the Lord wanted him to do. And so it was a blessing to be a part of it. I'm, I'm good friends with Chad and and some folks at the church there, so it was a blessing for me to be able to be there uh, in particular. But uh, it was just it was good to see a church going forward and not stopping just because something something tragic happened around them. And so that was encouraging, and I hope that's encouraging to you in a world that is not very encouraging. And so tonight we're going to continue in Romans chapter 1, if you would. Grab your Bibles, Romans chapter 1. Praise the Lord, i got another bottle of water up here. Amen. All right. I already killed that first one during the song time. All right. Romans chapter 1, and we read most of the second or the first half of the chapter, but uh, we will pick up again in verse number 15. Paul says, So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who hold the truth and unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful." but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use unto that uh, use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge... God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, 
maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents without understanding, covenant breakers without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they would commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Ultimately, here in Romans chapter 1, Paul reminds them, we talked about it this morning, that he had a message he was waiting to preach. He was holding on to it, right? It's the message of the gospel and coming in with the power of God and the righteousness of God being manifest to them and ultimately the wrath of God. If they choose not to honor the righteousness of God, they'll be under the wrath of God. And the gospel goes out and he's ready to preach and proclaim the gospel uh, to those that are at Rome. And as he looks over a lost world, this is what he sees. Look familiar? This chapter is very familiar to a world without them even knowing it. And as we look around at the world, you know, we get, we get this idea of, well, how did we get this bad? How did it get this far? Now, I have, I have great liberty right now. You say, why? Because all the kids are over there. So I'm going to have a little bit more liberty than the last time I preached something uh, that was close and borderline to mentioning some of these things. So I'm going to be a little bit more free and liberty, liberty with that, okay? Uh, so I hope I don't stun too many of you, and I don't mean to do anything. This is not shock value. I'm very careful with what I say behind a pulpit. I tried to do my best to not dishonor anything behind this pulpit. I am very choosy with how I say things, and I hope you understood that from the last time I approached some of this subject. I did not want to be or say anything that could be misconstrued or have you go home and have all your children ask you weird questions about what in the world did pastor talk about. All right, I, I was trying not to do that. I was very particular. We live in a world today where men don't know if they're a man or a woman. Women don't know if they're men or women. They're confused as can be. You're looking around at a world where if you walk up to somebody and they're dressed like they're dressed like any man normally would, and you say yes, sir, and they look like a man, and they go, uh, "No, I'm I'm a I'm a she, her." You're like, "What?" You got people. Literally, you have people on the planet that are looking at you here in the United States of America, and they say, "My pronoun is they." That doesn't even fit language, let alone sanity. And we're living in this world today where this weird agenda has been pushed and prodded and pushed upon over and over again. And we look around and we go, how did we get here? How In the United States of America, ultimately one of, if not the greatest missions organizations are from here to reach a world with the gospel. This is the place where freedom was set up so that the gospel could go out. This is one of the greatest countries in the world and has been. <laughs> but it's awfully scary right now because you and I as Christians look around at a world and we go, I'm not so sure how long we'll stay great. <laughs> we look around now and we go, I don't know if we have protection and security as a nation. Not even just financial security. I mean physical securities are in question. Since when have you thought the United States military couldn't defend these borders? That's a scary thought. But 
you can't tell me in the last year that thought hadn't crossed your mind. Are we actually safe in our own country? It's not like we're living in Iran, Iraq, Israel. You know, we're, we're not living in the Middle East. We're living in the United States of America. And we look around and we go, well, how did we get here? We got here because of Romans chapter 1. This is where we got. We got here because of this. This is the same pattern for an individual sinner. This is the same pattern for someone who wants to turn their back on God, even as a Christian. Right? You've seen some folks and you go, how did we get here? How did they get there? Uh, you look around, this is how a nation falls apart. This is, not this is not just for, oh, well, you know, it's for all of those people over there across the world. No, this is for right here. In fact, this will happen in your own personal life if you aren't careful to understand what steps were taken to get them there. We look around at a world and we wonder, how did they get this bad? I mean, how did it get like this? How can you even think that it's okay for a grown man to walk into a lady's restroom because he decides he's a girl for today? And that's acceptable? That's insanity. That is absolute insanity. And anybody who tells you otherwise is insane, just like the people they're trying to talk about. That is insanity. They have terms for all of those things in psychology. The world knows that what that really is, but they go ahead and they want to deny it. And you'll find it in the passage of all their denials. And we get to this place, you say, why are you preaching this today? I mean, is it just because the kids are over there? No, it just kind of fit. I've been thinking and praying about preaching Romans chapter 1 and starting a series maybe out of the book of Romans. This morning's message was already geared up. Tonight's message was already geared up. Uh, June is National Dairy Month. Amen. <laughs> the world wants you to go ahead and celebrate... Ultimately, a pile of sin. It's strange. Melanie and I were talking and, we, and she said, you know what's funny? It's funny that uh, we have all these months, right? You have all the, I don't remember all of them, so don't, because I, I don't pay attention, all right? Uh, I just, I really don't. I tune out most of what that is because I just get mad, okay? All right, but, you know, you have, you have things like Black History Month and you have things like Breast Cancer Awareness Month and you have... Right? They have all these things that they, that they want to kind of talk about. Why is it that uh, there's only one that gets so riled up if you don't acknowledge it? You ever notice that? All the, all the breast cancer awareness people aren't angry because we didn't celebrate and everybody wore, not, not everybody wore pink today. So, you know, obviously you all hate people who, don't have, breast, who have breast cancer. Awful, horrible people that you are. You didn't celebrate with us. What? But there's a mentality. And the mentality goes along with the sin that it is. And we'll get to that here shortly. There's a reason they call it pride and they stand behind it. I'll get to that in just a moment. But you realize that this month is delineated by the world, by the United States at least, as being something where you need to celebrate sin, promote it. Uh, I was reading an article, 
and uh, I hate Starbucks. You already know that. I hate everything about Starbucks. I hate their liberal stands. I hate their garbage. I hate the fact that they hate Christians. I hate their coffee because I hate all coffee, but their coffee in particular, whatever, I don't care, all right? If you like Starbucks, whatever. I don't care, okay? I don't like them. I have never liked their stands. They have really terrible political stands as it is on top of everything else, and I don't like coffee, so it really doesn't matter to me, okay? I have no... I have no game in the race, all right? But the truth is that, uh, right, they have a section of them, at least, that have unionized of their baristas, right? They've, they've got the unions all starting in. And they are staging and have staged, they've staged a walk-off. 3,000 baristas are walking out because Starbucks did not do a big uh, Pride Month promotion, 3,000 are walking out. I thought that was strange because the way the articles are worded, right? You ready for this? This is fun. I like this. Because if you think when you read, you don't quite have the same problem the rest of the world does. You know what they did? They said we have 3,000 baristas walking out of 9,000 stores. There's 9,000 Starbucks locations. That doesn't even include all of their corporate facilities and everything else that they have 9,000 stores they have 3,000 people walking out guaranteed you have 90,000 baristas 3,000 are walking out you know what they said well okay we'll just cover shifts who cares but you know what they went oh whoa 3,000 people are walking out they're making a big news story out of what out of people who evidently don't really care about their job you're walking out over that That's what you're walking out over? Not wages, not fair treatment, not, it's because you didn't, you wanted the company to do something and they didn't do it. Yeah. And then the news goes, oh, 3,000 people are walking out of 9,000 stores. That's a drop in the bucket. That doesn't matter to them. It doesn't matter at all. That's, that's a minority of minorities. That's not even a real thing. But the world wants you to think that it is. There's a reason they didn't go of, of 90,000 employees. I don't know how many exactly they have. I'm guessing. You've got to have at least 10 people working at one restaurant, right? I mean, honestly, you've got two or three people working at a time, multiple shifts. I'm just guessing. Let's say there's 10 people at each store. You have literally 90,000 employees. They didn't go out of 90,000 employees, 3,000 are walking out. No, they purposely put 9,000 stores and 3,000 employees to make that number look big. It's not big. It is not big. But they want you to think that it is. So what's it all about? It's all about the perception. How can we make all of you get sympathetic towards this cause? Because everybody has to have a cause today. I'm going to get ahead of myself here in just a moment, but this is ultimately the downward spiral of humanity right here. This chapter is the downward spiral until it finally lands itself ultimately in a lake of fire under the just condemnation and judgment of God. And so we're going to look at that tonight. So it's going to be real uplifting. (laughs) Let's have a word of prayer. And uh, hopefully it'll give you some understanding on why we are in the mess that we are in. So, Father, I do pray that you would help me to convey the thoughts that you've given me. I pray that it would be a blessing, Lord, to the hearers. Father, I know it's not a, 
encouraging subject or topic. I know it's not something that we enjoy, Lord, the thought of mankind and their failures, but Father, even getting a glimpse into some of our own past failures and possibly some of our, Lord, things that we could avoid for future failures. Lord, if we would just be able to make sure we don't do any of these things, it would be a great help to us. But Father, I do pray for our nation. Lord, it's hard to watch the things that are happening. Lord, I do pray. I pray for your mercy because, Father, we certainly deserve your judgment. So, Lord, I do pray you would just bless the night, Lord, work in hearts, and I pray that Jesus Christ would be praised. And, Lord, we pray you would come back soon to take your bride home in Jesus' name. Amen. You look over, in, of course, in verse number 20, and we probably won't go to too many places outside of here. I'm going to kind of do a little bit more teaching tonight a little bit here. But he says this, and of course, in verse number 20, he says that uh, the invisible things from the of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. They have no excuse to not know who God is. God is a known quantity. The heavens declare the glory of God and His firmament showeth His handiwork day unto day other speech and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. It is inexcusable to not know that there is a God. It's there without excuse. That's what He just said. There's no excuse to not know that there's a God. That's why the fool has said in his heart there is no God. You've got to be a fool to not believe in, there, in a God. You look around at a universe and the greatness of the universe and the, the expanse that it is, and I'll get into some of this here in a moment, but you look at the greatness of creation alone and you find that there must be a creator for a creation. Uh, oftentimes, probably some of the best examples are, we have, we have some finely tuned machinery that we have. As, as you know... You know, if you, we all have these wonderful smartwatches, so nobody really, you know, does all the gearing anymore, you know. You get the fancy, nice, geared watches. They're designed, and they're down, and they work to the second perfectly. Everything runs just the way that it's supposed to. You really think a universe happened on accident and everything works just the way it's supposed to just because it's on accident? Doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. The only thing that ever makes sense is that there is a creator for a universe so it can run right. It has to run by design. And I'm not going to cover creation tonight but because we would be here for a couple hours. But uh, you can't. You can't look around and take an honest look at a universe and go, well, this must have happened on accident. No, no, you look around and you find out that it must have happened because of a creator who made it and designed it for us. And they, and he says in verse number 21, because that when they knew God, see, they know God. I believe this firmly. I believe everybody knows there's a God. You say, can you prove that? Right there. The invisible things from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, all of them knew him. 
you have to consciously choose to deny that he exists. That's how amazing he is. It is so pro you have to be taught and convinced that God doesn't exist. Or you have to deny his very existence because you don't want to believe him. When they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, into birds, and and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Contained in those verses right there from verse 20 to verse 25, you find out that they knew God and the problem is they have rejected God's deity. They've rejected the deity of God. Brother Mike Viscombe. <laughs> Just so you know. All right. Uh, he, they glorified him not as God. They deny God's deity. They've rejected the deity of God. They knew him and they didn't glorify him as God. God is not glorified. That means they've removed his glory. To glorify something is to go ahead and give it the praise that it deserves to hold it up and to raise it up as to exactly what it is. That's why he's worthy to receive, number one, glory. That's what he's supposed to receive. He's supposed to receive the praise that holds him up where he belongs. And so you have that, but instead they take that glory and what do they do? Well, they give it to another. Notice what they said. Verse number 23, they changed the glory of, God, of the uncorruptible God into an image. And they'll go ahead and worship anything else but him. They will worship virtually anything they can find as long as it is not God. They'll make statues and they'll lay down altars and they'll do all sorts of whatever it is they do. They will do all of it to do that just so that they don't have to worship an actual God. They'll be vain in their imaginations and they'll worship, they'll worship all sorts of things because they go ahead and they go after the creature more than the creator. Now here in our own personal society in the United States, I want to give you some things and, and a lot of you know these. But in 1859, a man by the name of Charles Darwin came out with a book, right? On the origin of, of species. That book right there was used, and ultimately Darwin basically recants, but uh, he talks about his own problems in the book. <laughs> but nobody wants to talk about that part. I mean, it's not the problem that there's too many links and we don't have any of them. And if only we could find just one proof that we actually know what we're talking about, but we can't find any of them, and that would really be an issue. Darwin's saying that. <laughs> But they ignore that part. Just, just ignore that. Why? Because anything I can do to deny who God is. If I can get away from who God is, then I don't have to be accountable to Him. That is the question. Ultimately, the question will be accountability. By 1900, uh, evolution is being taught in the public schools of America. By 1900. 
Not in all of them, but it's starting to make its way in. It's starting to be acceptable to teach the theory of evolution, and they presented it as such, as a theory against creationism. At least in 1900, they posed it as a theory, and they were able to teach creation at the same time. They were two counter theories at that particular moment. But notice what happens when you start to let that in. You start to let that happen, and World War I happens. No big deal. I mean, it's just the first world war. You say, oh, that's not our fault. I know. But by the time you get done with it, the 1920s, you have the Scopes Monkey Trial. And by the end of World War I, it is so prevalent, and now it is that you cannot teach creation. Because that would deem you interfering with church and state. So you go into World War II there in the 40s. And by the time you get to the 60s, you actually have a case called Epperson versus Arkansas. Now, individual states had started to combat this idea all the way back into the 20s. Individual states were trying to keep evolution out of their schools across the country. Arkansas was the big one right here. This case right here ultimately would decide that uh, the states don't have a right in this. It removed it. And in doing so, Emerson versus Arkansas makes it wide scale that evolution would be taught even through the southern states. The southern states were the ones that were fighting it more, of course, than the northern liberal states at the time. And you know what you find? You find that that's in 1960. How about the 60s? Now, I wasn't alive for that, but some of you were. What was it all about? It was all about civil rights, the people's rights. It was all about free love. It was all about equality. It was also about abortion. All those things start sliding in. The rights of the people. Sounds like Laodicea, doesn't it? Get the people their rights. Well, we have the right. Don't we have the right? Free love, because we just love everybody. You know what that was actually, they, they call that now? The counterculture movement. Isn't that funny? They wanted to go against the culture of their day. They wanted to push against all of the norms of culture. You say, what did that start? How do you think you ended up where you are? You remove God from the school. You remove the Bible from school. You remove prayer from school. You insert that just evolution is, is it, and that's all it is. And now today it is taught as fact, with no questions asked. And don't certainly don't ask them a question. They don't like it when you do that. They didn't like that when I was a kid. When I was in high school, they certainly didn't like it. If you brought up any question to the idea of evolution, that teacher was mad. I had my science teacher quite unhappy. 
I got, I got them so mad when I was writing all my test papers according to the book, and I'd quote the book so that I'd get the answer right. And he came to me after class, after about two or three of these tests, and he said, why do you keep writing that? I said, because I have to pass your class. And I don't believe what the book says, so I'm not writing it as my answer. So i got to tell you what the book said the answer was. And he goes, oh. And I said, because you're not convincing me of this garbage. This stuff's garbage. And I'm not, I, I'm not assimilating this idea. This is not my idea. This is your idea. And you won't allow me to ask the questions I want to ask in class. So, because he'd already shut me down in class twice. So I said, this is what you get. I said, if you don't like it, you can fail me, but you'll have to put up with me again. He said, I'll, I'll just, yeah, I'll just, you're right, you're good, good to go. You just keep answering that way and keep quiet and don't disturb everybody else from getting assimilated into what we want them to learn. There's more aspects, and I could go into all sorts of crazy things with it, and I won't just sake of time. I don't want to do all of that. But you watch as the world goes ahead, and uh, here our world, the United States, goes ahead and starts making these choices. They choose to deny who God is. They stop being thankful. By the way, just a side note. We're going to have the, of course, 4th of July Independence Day celebration here coming up. And we'll have Labor Day in September. And then we have Halloween. And then Christmas, right? Is there one in the middle? Can you tell if you were in Walmart that there's something in the middle? They shove Halloween out and put Christmas in. And there's no time to thank God for anything. Ever notice that? Boy. Uh, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Part of giving him glory is being thankful to him. The United States is very unthankful to a God who has preserved and kept them. They start off and they reject God's deity. He says in verse number 24, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who change the truth of God into a lie. They take everything that God says and they go ahead and make it a lie. Now, we can talk about the world's ideologies and all the things that happen and all those things. One question. Jesus Christ, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What's the other thing God calls his truth? His word. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. What prevalency has happened here in the United States of America? Whatever truth you want. Pick up whichever Bible because they're all the same. The problem is, they're not the same. The words aren't the same. God's promise of preservation is down to the words. So either the words are right or the words are not right. By the way, if I go ahead and change the words that you say to quote you, I'm a liar. 
you would say, well, all he did was take out one word. All they did was change one word. But if I misquote you, that's a lie. You didn't say that. Why would it be any different with the word of God? And then we wonder why God doesn't bless a nation who goes ahead and produces lies, ultimately. They change the truth of God into a lie. Now, this is interesting. I got to get off point number one, because that's where I still am. But he says this, And they worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, we always tie that in with what it said earlier. Four-footed beasts and creeping things and so on, and the creature more than the creator. I talked about this a few weeks ago, right? Lucifer, the creature, one of the anointed cherubs. Who would want you to not know which truth you're supposed to pick up? Which book that's supposed to be true? Well, the author of confusion, and it's not God. It's interesting that he slides who changed the truth of God into a lie. Isn't that what the devil tries to do? Make God's truth a lie, Genesis chapter 3? Yea, hath God said? Get you to question what God said? His words? And I mean, he quoted God better than Eve did. Didn't he? Uh, God has said uh, that in the day ye eat thereof, ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil, right? But he said first, he said... uh, Ye shall not surely die. I mean, all he did was add not. He's only one word off. Eve was way farther off. Eve was way off. Devil only changed one word. And the creature shows up. And they serve the creature more than the creator. When you don't give God glory, who gets glory? There it is. I could be wrong. Maybe he is talking about those corruptible four-footed beasts and creeping things and birds and man. And But my trouble is he already listed those. Just thought. Because he's the one who's blessed forever. Amen. And God goes ahead and gives them over to that uncleanness. These are the steps. Now he's going to give them over to some things. He's giving them over to uncleanness. What does he give them over to? Verse number 26. For, God, for this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use of that which is against, into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. They reject God's deity and then they reject God's design. God's got a design to the creation that he's made. Men aren't supposed to be with men and women aren't supposed to be with women. Lesbians, sodomy, the whole thing, that's all supposed to be. You say, what do they do with that? Uh, The sin of sodomy ultimately is pride. He gives them over to vile affections. That's what he called them right there. Vile affections. That's vile affection to God. Hold your place right here. We're going to go to one place. Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel chapter 16. 
Hold your place in Romans 1. We'll jump right back. But Ezekiel chapter 16. Say, I, I thought the sin of Sodom was sodomy. And it is. But that's a byproduct of Ezekiel chapter 16. He tells you what the real problem was. The real problem with the city of Sodom was Ezekiel 16 in verse uh, number 49. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. I'm going to tell you what it is. Behold, here it is. Pride, number one. Fullness of bread, number two. And abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters, three. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy, four. And they were haughty, number five. And committed abomination before me, number six. Therefore I took them away as I saw good. Say, where did it start, pride? It's interesting that they hide behind a flag that they make out of rainbows. To flaunt it in the face of God, that he wouldn't destroy them. They just missed a piece. I'll get to that in a second. And they're full of pride, and so they call it Pride Month. And they have their pride parade. And everything's about pride. Why do they call it that? I'm proud of your sin. Yeah, that's exactly it. They're proud of their sin. You know what they're doing? They're standing up and they're holding up in front of God, and we're going to get there in a minute. Uh, but the truth is, they started with pride, and they get fullness of bread. Sound like us here in America? Doing pretty good, right? Idleness. It is amazing how much time nobody has when they have all the time in the world. They have all the time to do whatever it is they want. You realize if you went ahead and decided, and I'm not necessarily in favor of this, it's kind of weird to me, but uh, if you go ahead and you go, well, I'm going to take a technology fast, whatever, that's a weird new fad, right? And they're going to go ahead and, and they, they leave their phones and their tablets and their computers, right? They put them all away. Could you imagine how much time you had? That could change for big for some people. To not have to deal with an email for a week. Could you imagine? Praise the Lord. No phone calls. No phone calls. You know how long I spent? Right? You call one pastor. You know how long it is for two pastors to get off the phone when they're talking together? Good night. Get rid of all that stuff. Could you imagine how much time you would have with your family? How much time you would have to be able to get some things done? How much time you'd have to be able to read your Bible and to pray and to spend time with them and to be a witness and a good testimony if we could figure out all the things that are keeping us idle and sitting around doing nothing? Americans are great at sitting around doing nothing. In fact, the government made it so easy. Anyway, oh, I won't get all. Can't even get a workforce back together because everybody's idle. They won't get moving again. Idleness. They refuse to help the poor and the needy. This is a funny one right here because uh, the government goes, let us help the poor and needy for you. And it's not their job. 
I want you to know the government's job in the scriptures is not to take care of the poor and needy. By the way, that was the church's job. I'm going to slide something extra in here. I'm just feeling it tonight, so I apologize to all of you who have had to put up with all of my side rants tonight. But uh, this is a side rant message for me. I'm a little on edge with it. I get a little frustrated about it. Uh, You realize the government wanted to take the two institutions, the two other institutions founded by God, he founded three, right? He founded the family, the church, and the, uni- and the government, ultimately. A government agency, right? He, he goes ahead, right? The powers that be are ordained of God, right? They have their job, right? They're supposed to be there. We're supposed to be in subject, subjection to them under their authority, Right? We want them to go ahead and we want them to take care of the murderers and the horrible people on the planet that are doing wrong. We want them to do that. You know what we don't want? We don't want them to encroach on the other two and the jobs of the other two. Because the family has a job to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And the church has a job to go ahead and educate them about the God who saves them and the God who takes care of their needs and the God's moral standards that he is supposed to hold to, that you and I are supposed to hold up, and they are also supposed to go ahead and help take care of the widows, pure religion and undefiled before God, visiting the widows and the fatherless in their afflictions. Who's supposed to take care of religion? The church is. That's part of what we're supposed to be able to help. (laughs) So why'd the government step in? Because they wanted to take over all those jobs. All reliant upon... Anyways, I'm going to get all... So what does that do? That takes, away, that takes away your responsibility to do what you should do. All control. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not. That's just reality. Isn't that what they're doing? Am I, am I being weird and... I'm not off the deep end. That's what they've done. They've tried to make it so you don't have to be accountable. Because if you would be accountable, you'd have to be accountable to God instead of them. Anyways, I'm going to get it. I got to get moving. They're haughty and they committed abomination. There's that last step. They committed abomination. The sin of sodomy. Abomination in the eyes of God. Don't let the world tell you anything different, by the way. God still holds that as a standard. That's an abomination in the eyes of God. That's why he burned Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes. Interestingly enough, you can go back to Romans chapter 1. If you would, I have to hurry. I didn't think I'd have to hurry, (laughs) but I have to hurry. They reject God's deity. They reject God's design. And then finally, they reject God's discernment. Look at what he says in verse number 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without natural affection, 
They're without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. This dovetails you back up to the beginning. They know God. They also know there's consequences for their actions. So how do you know that? Because the law is already written in their hearts. The word is nigh thee, Romans 10, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. The, what is it? The word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess. That's already sitting there waiting for them. I'm not a Calvinist. That goes to everybody. Everybody in the world starts with the ability to know that there is a God and they have it innately in them. And they have the innate desire to know who he is. And they know that they could accept him because they know what's true and what's not true. The law was already written in. And they choose. They know the judgment of God. They know his discernment. They know what he knows to be good and evil. Right and wrong. And you know what they do? They choose to regard not. They dispose of it. They go, I don't want to believe that. And so they sear their conscience with a hot iron. We can go through all the fun steps right there. Right, they're going to do and they're going to do and they're going to do and they're going to do until ultimately they sear that conscience so badly that they can do just about anything and say just about anything and be just about anything and have just about anything and go ahead and go down that list. And you look at that list, there's not one thing on that list that you can't dictate into the world. Notice that if you're looking around, you go, hey, yep, there it is, there it is, there it is, there it is, there it is. You don't even have to look far to find every one of those in that list. Here in the United States of America, it is open and unashamed. They hold that flag up, and you know what they say? They say, God, you can't judge me, and you can't do anything about it. They don't remember that Sodom and Gomorrah got burned with fire, not drowned with water. And they do not remember that at the end, God is going to go ahead and pull the curtain back and he's going to go ahead and melt the elements with a fervent heat. It's not going to be water. You don't got to worry about water ever again. You got to worry about a large amount of fire melting down the elements and the judgment of God putting you in a lake of fire for all of eternity. They are filled with these things. Our country is filled with these things. Say, how did we get here? We got here because we denied who God is. We denied his deity. We denied his design. And we have denied the fact that God is a judge of all the earth. And he does right. And we've thrown it back in the face of God as a nation to go ahead and say, God can't touch me. And God says, you just wait. He is merciful. He is long-suffering. He is plenteous in mercies. And I think it's a sad reality, just like he had to look down and say, the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full to the nation of Israel. You can't overrun them yet. That he may be at the spot where he goes, the United States of America, her iniquity is not yet full yet. Just wait a little bit longer. Because if she continues down the road that she is going, I guarantee you, who knowing the judgment of God, they are worthy of death. That's what we deserve. The lost man deserves that. The saved man who wants to keep going, right? Give a solo, 
sent his flesh over for the destruction of Satan that his soul might be saved. Death. A nation deserves it. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. How can a world be this terrible? How can the United States of America... You realize that the United States is becoming a laughing stock to a world. I can't remember what country it was. Some, it, it was an African nation. And they were praising this president. And he was great. He was. And he made some comment about there only being two genders something he answered a question and the reporter started to get a little agitated and his reply was just because you've become fools in America doesn't mean you can tell me what I'm going to believe in my country I was like I like you I might move over there I don't um, got more sense than he's going this is common sense everybody knows this how can you think that way? How can a world get that far? How can it be that terrible? How can you start going and letting those things come in? Because ultimately the truth is that, you, that our nation has denied God. They've pushed God over and they're throwing their sin up in the face of God as if he will never do anything about it. Ecclesiastes says, Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, the hearts of the sons of men are fully set in them to do evil continually. You and I live in a world today where they feel there's no consequences for their actions. That's Darwin mentality. I'm not accountable to anybody. I just evolved. I'm just a beast so that I can just take what I want and do what I want and live by... That's the end result. The end result is you live like animals. And you reject God. And you go the way you want to go. That's the sad descent of what the United States is going through. That's the sad descent of a lost man. His mentality changes. He goes to a reprobate mind. He has no idea what in the world he's doing. You look at them and you go, how in the world did they get that messed up? That's how they got that messed up. They refused to listen to the leading of God. And God lets them go and lets them go and lets them go until they go. Now that uh, we're all depressed, I mentioned it earlier this morning. Look back at chapter 1, verse, six, uh, verse 15. Say, well, we're all out of hope. Now we're still breathing. We're still breathing. There's still just one more piece. Verse 15. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. You know what doesn't change? The answer hasn't changed. The answer to their problems and the answer to your problems and all the things that we deal with our hope is not, thank, thank the Lord, it is not in the President of the United States. Thank the Lord, it is not in the government agencies we have here in New York State. Praise God, our hope is not in 
our elected officials, and whatever else anybody else is doing. It is solely conditional on the greatness of the God that saved us. We look around and we go, boy, this is getting crazy out here. Yeah, but as the days of Lot and the days of Noah, so shall it be when the coming of the Son of Man be. We look around and we just go, well, it's crazy out there. I hope he comes quick. <laughs> Why? I don't know how much more weirdness I can take. But his grace is sufficient for thee. He, he goes ahead. He'll take care of his own. Always has, always will. So our hope is in him. You look around the rest of the world, all this does is just make sense of what crazy the world has gone to. That's how they get to that level of crazy. But that doesn't mean you have to be there. You get to go ahead and trust that God is wonderful and He is amazing and He is great and He is good and He can save to the uttermost if they call upon Him. And whether they repent or not, we don't know. You can be as grumpy as Jonah if you want to, as long as you preach the message He gave you. Yet 40 days, Nineveh shall be overthrown. He gives them 200 years. They had 40 days, God gave them 200 years. I don't know if He'd give America 200 years. I think we're getting close to the end, though. I think Trump's going to sound you and I are going to go home. But I've already preached it before out of Isaiah. I don't know when he's coming. And if he gives us another 60, it'd be because he was merciful to a nation and to a group of lost people who don't deserve it. Just like the city of Nineveh didn't deserve it. And Jonah's sitting outside going, I ought to, why didn't you destroy it? You should have destroyed it. The Lord says, yeah, but I've got, I don't know how many thousand that don't know their right hand from their left in that city right there. Say, so what do you think? I think God could be merciful and gracious, not for the adults who have completely and utterly failed. To let them perish in a wilderness, right? But he may be merciful for another generation who can turn to God and go ahead and get it right. He may be merciful. He said, you believe he can? I believe he can. He can because he can do what he wants. He can do whatever he wants. But it's going to be conditional on what they choose. And it's going to be conditional on if he's got when I come, shall I find faith in the earth? Do I have anybody to proclaim for me? Do I have anybody to stand in the gap before me that I should not destroy it? Is there anybody proclaiming the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ that he can save them, that he can keep them, and that he can provide for them, and that he'll give them a home in heaven? Go ahead and take care of all the troubles. That's my hope. I'm going to ask Brother Andrew to come. We're going to sing. I'm not going to do anything extra. If you want to pray, you can pray. But as far as invitation, we're going to sing 352. If you want to pray for the United States of America, if you want to pray for some of your family, your friends, your relatives, yourself, to get your mind in gear, and you can. Take your time. But I want to encourage you tonight. Let's stand and sing 352. My hope is in the Lord. Get your eyes off of the news and get your eyes off of everything everybody else is doing. Get your eyes back on Him and focus. Hey, they're all in a mess, but He's not.